0: Good evening, everybody. So nice to be back in person. I've been giving Shirim staring at a camera with nobody in the room for so long. So nice to be learning together in person. Shir tonight is sponsored generously by Mrs. Raya Wasser in honor of her mother's 10th yard site, which is actually this evening. Her name was Aviata Bas Reb Chaim Leib. Her neshama should have an aliyah through the learning that we're doing together and through all of the continued growth of Mrs. Wasser and her entire mishpacha. We live in a world where being non-judgmental is viewed as an integral value. Where discounting any human being based on superficialities like color of skin ethnic group, cultural association, is no longer acceptable. Justice, equality, compassion, these are just a few of the concepts that were introduced into the world more than 3,800 years ago through the revolution of Avraham However, we find ourselves living in very judgmental times. Frequently, the harshest judgment that we face can be cloaked in the disguise of liberalism and open mindedness. For many, the mantra may be we're okay with anyone and anything except for those people who are not okay with us. Or I am totally non judgmental unless you don't share my view, in which case you're evil. I saw a quote from an article on the subject. Where the author wrote, people judge all judgment as bad, have zero tolerance for intolerance, and are absolutely close-minded to all close-mindedness. They profess these policies but can't possibly live by them, nor should they, since judgment, intolerance, and close-mindedness have their place and are often virtues. The goal tonight, Amit Hashem, is to explore briefly the Hashkafas HaTorah. What exactly do we mean when we say we're not judgmental? Is that an ideal that we strive for as well? Where and when does that concept apply? So what comes to mind, we would all quote the Mishnah Perk al tadin has havercha, ad limkomo. You can't judge your friend until you've been in his place. What's interesting, though, is to note the sequence of the Mishnah. This is all the Memra, this is all the saying from Hillel. He starts off, "Al Don't remove yourself from the community. That was the first thing. Second thing, Don't trust yourself until the day of death. And the third thing is, Do not judge your fellow until you've been in his place. And we all know that means never. I have no clue what it, what it is to live through your world, through your brain, through your upbringing. I can't relate. I could try to relate. We may have had similar experiences that I could kind of connect with the way you're feeling, but al-tadoniz havercha komo means I never know exactly where you're standing, and therefore I have to, on some level, withhold judgment. Now, that's a virtue. The Mishnah is saying, this is what we should do. This is the derech hachaim, al havercha. Is there an actual obligation? Is there a Torah obligation not to be judgmental? So most of us are thinking of the Pasuk. right? With righteousness you shall judge your nation. But The truth is in the Parsha this week, we find another well-known Pasek. That may be according to some The source of the mitzvah derais Of the Torah obligation Not to be judgmental shomer The Pesach says be careful when it comes to Tziras, The plague of Tzeras And follow all of the Instructions of the Kohanim Hashem Miriam And remember what Hashem did to Miriam be derech Mitzrayim When you were leaving Mitzrayim Remember what Hashem did to Miriam. Be careful with Tsaras. So Rashi explains the Torah is giving us an Eitzah. It's sharing a suggestion. If you want to avoid this terrible machla, this devastating plague of Tsaras, then don't speak Lashon Hora. And the way to keep yourself in check is through remembering what happened to Miriam. It's not actually a mitzvah, but it's giving us an eight Tova. If you want to avoid this particular illness, don't speak Lush and Hora. Remember what happened to Miriam. That's how Rashi understands the Pasek. The Ramban says, According to my opinion, she mitzvahs a mamish. This is a full-fledged Torah obligation, just like we have zochares Yom Shabbos likacho. Remember the Shabbos day. That's a mitzvah deraisa. Remember what a molik did. That's a mitzvah deraisa. And the same thing here. Remember what Hashem did to Miriam is a mitzvah deraisa. What exactly is the mitzvah? Hashem's telling us: Remember the terrible consequence that Miriam had to go through. Even though in that particular scenario she was a tzaddikis, she was, she was a righteous woman, she only intended for her brother's benefit, she wasn't saying anything maliciously, nonetheless, she was in violation of the Isra of Lashon Hora. Remember this forever. That's how the Ramban understands the pasuk. I want to share with you a third understanding, which is from the targum Yonason. The Tagim Yonason says that really the Hazara, the warning, or the mitzvah the Torah is giving us, is not directly related to Lashon Hara, but it's going a step prior. Why in the world do I ever say anything negative about you? Well, because I'm thinking something negative, and I can't hold myself back. I want to share my thoughts with my friend about you. But the first step to any and Hora is the Machshava, is the mindset, the way I'm viewing you, the way I look at you. Says the Targum Yonasan, this is the mitzvah of the Pesach, of remember what happened to Miriam. Havu zahirin delo lemachshed chad The Torah is telling us we have to be careful not to be chosheed, not to be overly judgmental against our fellow. Delo yelki, in order to avoid this nege tziras, Remember what Hashem did to Miriam That Miriam was choshed. She was being overly judgmental of Moshe Regarding something that he didn't do wrong She thought it was totally inappropriate To leave his wife Right, who do you think you are? You're better than all the other Nevi'im you think you're the best prophet in the world, that you're too holy to be married? And she was concerned for him. She wasn't just trying to speak bad. Targum Yonason says that the mitzvah here is not directly going on Lashon Hora, but rather it's telling us the prior step, how we look at someone else, how we're judging somebody else. There, the Torah is telling us, don't do it. So it's not just Al Todanes Chavercha as an Eitz' as a suggestion for life. But according to the Targum Yonasan, it's a mitzvah, do not be judgmental. Now, there is an important distinction. That the phrase that's used often is withholding judgment. I'm going to withhold judgment. Often a life where we withhold judgment means that we're amoral. If I'm not willing to look at anything and say, that is incredible. What a chesed. Well, his level of Mesiris Nefesh, his self-sacrifice has brought me to tears. I'm judging him. Or if I see something, I can't believe he said that. That was so insensitive. That's also being judgmental. But the derech Hashem is not to withhold judgment. It's to always look at every situation and every interaction And have a judgment, have an assessment, have an evaluation. The Torah doesn't say, pretend there's no such thing as good and bad. We believe in good and bad. So we make the distinction between withholding judgment versus not jumping to conclusions. So for me to look at something I just did or you just did or said and to feel that was not okay or to feel inspired and moved by the, the beauty of, of, of your chesed. That's what Hashem wants from us. To jump to the conclusion and to use the Yiddish word, teich. Teich literally means to translate. If I touch you as a person, if I translate, if I interpret who you are based on something that you said that I feel is not okay or that I feel is amazing, so then... I'm in violation of You don't really know who he is You don't know who she is You don't understand their struggle I'm sure they're a very wonderful person But I can't touch, I can't define the essence of that human being Based on my limited exposure To what I'm seeing That's the distinction between Withholding judgment We never withhold judgment We try to be critical We're connoisseurs of morality But we don't jump to conclusions We don't touch up people Now, this is something that we all struggle with. Part of it comes from the fact that sometimes we may lack self-esteem, and one of the ways to build ourselves up is through trying to put down as many other people as possible. And it might feel good in the moment, but it's not really a long-term cure. I think there are two main reasons, though, why we are overly judgmental, why we do jump to conclusions, why we titch people up based on our little snippet, our little glimpse into their life. It's a combination, it's an eloquent combination of arrogance and ignorance. And when those two work together, it's phenomenal. Combination of arrogance and ignorance. One level of being judgmental is where I'm lacking context. I'm not seeing it in the full picture. I'll give you an example. If you were to see any human being six months ago, walking into a store, and before they open the door, they put on their mask and their gloves, and they're careful to open the door, not touching the doorknob, using their elbow. The first thought that would cross our mind is, oh, nebuch, this poor person, OCD, Anxious, probably trauma when they were a child. Oi, nebuchadnezzar. Hashem, have rechmanus. You think he's a thief? Oh, yeah, you think he's a thief. I just saw the other day, you know, someone was walking into 7-Eleven, didn't look like the classic upstanding citizen, and he puts on this thing around his head. If you would have seen that six months ago, that would have been scary. Now, though, if you see someone entering uh, Publix or the Grove, and they don't put on a mask and they don't care about touching the door, what crosses your mind? You reckless, selfish, irresponsible individual. Here you are jeopardizing the health and safety of everyone around you. You're not wearing a mask. So it's all based on context. The second level of being judgmental, and this unfortunately we also experience often, is when we're not just lacking context, but we really have no clue why somebody did or said something, but then we go ahead and we use our creative license and we fill in the blank, <laughs> right? My father told me an old joke of a guy who was traveling late at night in a thunderstorm, the long country road, no other cars around, and his car breaks down. He's got a flat tire. So he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do in the middle of nowhere? This is before cell phones. So he figured, you know what, let me just walk in the rain and I'll try to find some semblance of civilization. And he's walking, getting drenched in the pouring rain, and he sees off in the distance, it looks like a house with a light on, and all he needs to do is borrow a jack to be able to change his tire. So he's going over the conversation in his head. What's it going to be like? I'll get to his door... I'll be standing there drenched. I'll ask, "Can I borrow a jack?" And he'll probably, you know, knowing full well that I have no other eitzah, I have no other option, he'll probably charge me for it. Okay, what's the big deal? Maybe ten bucks, fifteen bucks. But you know what? He could charge me like eighty bucks. He could charge me a hundred dollars because there's nowhere else in the world I'm going to get my car fixed. And as he's walking closer and closer, he's thinking about all of the avlo, all of the terrible terrible uh, manipulation and exploitation this guy's going to do and he finally gets to the door he knocks on the door, the guy opens up oh wow, well, how could I help you? and the response is, you know what, just keep the jack I don't want it anyway that's called filling in the blank you never had a conversation with him but you're assuming what's going to be said the Maral and the, the Der that's his commentary to Perki he explains the idea of not being judgmental. He says, and This is really an example of Category 1, where I know you're doing something wrong, but I'm lacking context. So when I see that or I hear what you're saying, My feeling is that was totally inappropriate. You can't act like that. Mikol says the morale nonetheless, al as Khavero The mission is telling us, try not to jump to conclusions, don't touch him up, don't define him based on this. Shim Hagi masha la khavero. Because if theoretically you had that same Nisoyon that he did, you were placed in the same challenge. And that challenge could be a circumstance, but it could also be your Tukhunas Hannafish, your personality, how Hashem created you and whatever he's going through you would be put through the ringer just like him and have the same trauma and the same conflict and relationships you might do that very same thing many people before they have children right? you're on an airplane or you're in a restaurant and you're seeing a child just losing it having a temper tantrum And the parents start raising their voice, right? The father or the mother starts scolding the child very harshly. So we all think before we're parents, I would never speak to my child like that. That is disgusting. A person can't control their anger. And inside, deep inside or not so deep, I feel I'm better than you because I would never do that. You fast forward to actually having children, and you realize, once you them Komo, it's not so simple anymore. The Gemara Katan tells us that we know David HaMelech was pursued his entire life, or decades of his life. And finally, Baruch Hashem, after coming to a state of tranquility, at least momentarily, he sings a song of appreciation to Hashem. And he says, Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu, for saving me from all of my enemies, all of my pursuers, and for saving me from Sho, my father in law, who tried killing me numerous times. Amr lo Baruchu, the David. Hashem answered back to David. David, shira to Omer, Alma Peloso shall show. One second. You're singing a shira about the downfall of Shaul. You should know something, David. Il If theoretically he was you and you were him, kam Many, many Davids would be gone, would be destroyed. And Rashi explains that Hashem was telling David a Melech. Don't think you're better than him because you don't have the same struggle that he does. Don't think you're better or more uplifted than he, that he is as a human being because you don't have the same kas or the kinah or the, uh, the ruach ra the depression that he suffers. If you were born with his mazel, if you had the same techunas and nefesh, the same personality, you wouldn't be half the man that Shal is. That was the message that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling David. I remember sitting on an airplane before it was taking off, and one of the last people to board was a guy that did not look so friendly. And right? We can't judge someone. can't look at a book and judge it by its cover. But you could tell this person was not a happy camper. And he walks on the airplane, and he has a big carry-on bag with him and he's looking at all the overhead room, and there's really not much. So there's a little space in one of the overhead compartments right across from me, and he looks at it, and I could tell he was debating, should I try to stuff my bag into here? And I was, I was saying in my head, please don't. <laughs> it's not going to work. But he was a man with determination. So he took his bag, and he started with all of his might, trying to shove it into this tiny spot that there was no have it, you know, There was no chance of it getting in there. And after a few minutes, the stewardess came over and said, excuse me, sir, I don't think there's space in this overhead compartment. Let's try to put it elsewhere. And he lost it. And it was scary. He started yelling and hitting the seat. The guy who was sitting in that seat was petrified. <laughs> I was just sitting there my first feeling besides being very scared is wow i am so much better than you i would never do that i would never lose it at least not in public (laughs) i would never do that the truth is though just because he's losing it and i would never lose it doesn't mean that i'm a loftier person than he is it means we have different nisionos we have different personalities we have different challenges would i want him marrying my daughter absolutely not right but to judge him to touch somebody up based on something that i'm seeing or experiencing that's jumping to conclusions that's something we do not do oftentimes the people we're judging or the action that we're being done on if i was given the right circumstance i would do the exact same thing the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us of Menasheh. Menasha was the son of Chizkiah, who was the king of uh, the Jewish people for 50 years. And we know that notoriously, he really brought about the revolution of Avodah Zorah in Kalal It He was really the turning point leading to the Chorben by Yisrisho and the destruction of the first base of Mingdash. Rav Ashi, the Gemara tells us, was teaching something about Menashe and some of the other famous kings. And he left off the sheer, he concluded his class by saying, Tomorrow we're going to learn more about Chavarenu, about our, our friends, our peers, referring to Menashe. That night, Ravashi, in a dream, has this vision of Menashe. Menashe comes to Ravashi and says, Excuse me. Who are you to have the audacity to to view me as an equal? Do you have any idea who I am? Obviously, your your perception of history and me as a person is is off. Maybe it's true. I did some terrible things, and I pushed Kalal Yisrael in a very negative direction, but don't equate yourself to me. And then they had a back and forth in Halachim, Manasha basically said, ask me a question. Test me. Grill me. And he actually taught Ravashi a halacha. Ravashi, in this back and forth during the halom, in the midst of the dream, he was so puzzled. Now that he had this encounter with Menashe and he realized, this person is incredible. What a tremendous chacham. So he asked him the $64,000 question namely, if you're so smart and you know so much Torah and you have a lot of tzidkis, there's a lot of righteousness within you. What were you doing with all of the Avodah Zahra stuff? Why were you involved with worshiping idols? Menashe says back to Avashi, Amr have Ihaviz you should know, my dear friend. If you would have been there, you would have picked up your, your coat and you would have ran after me having more of a taiva and more of a desire and addiction to a Zarah than I did. You think you would have been able to withstand that challenge? You have no idea what that desire was. We can't relate to a Zarah. But Menashe was telling Ravashi, don't touch me up. Don't try to define me based on your limited world view. Although you're an Amorah, although you're a massive Talmud scholar, you have no idea who I am. The Gemara concludes the next day, when Ravashi came into Shir, he didn't refer to Menashe as our friend, but he referred to him as our teacher. Menashe, our teacher, eventually he did Shuvah Menashe. So getting back to the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, these are examples of not having the entire context and therefore um, being overly judgmental. When the Mishnah starts off by saying Al don't have too much faith in yourself until the day you die. Don't be overly confident. And then immediately after Hillel tells us, tagil in komo, Explains the Rabina Yonah, there's a very intimate connection between these two ideas. Why am I judging you? Why am I touching you up? Because Al Tamun I'm Mamin. I believe in my perception of you. I have too much confidence, I have too much belief in the way I'm seeing the world. And because of that, I have the chutzpah to judge you. Al baatmucha ad Yom and therefore, don't judge anybody. When I'm overly confident, when I have that combination of arrogance and ignorance, not knowing the full picture, that's when I tight you, that's when I place you into the box. That's Mark Twain's famous quote. He said, When I was a boy of 14, I was embarrassed to have my dad around. He didn't know anything. But then when I was a boy, a young man of 21, I was astonished to see how much he learned in only seven years. We're always astonished to see how much things might be different than our perception previously. When it comes to leadership, and that's true in any capacity, in the work setting, at home, with your family, in a community setting, when it comes to leadership, not jumping to conclusions is an integral component to being a productive and an effective leader. But the Pharisee Swell writes, one of the great commentaries on the Mishnah Yavos in the eighteen hundreds, he says, Manhigatsibor, when you have the responsibility and the privilege to be in a leadership position, Adam And you know somebody did something wrong. They lied, they cheated, it was inappropriate. Shvot Oso Bechemla explains that first, Israel. When the Mishnah tells us, al taden Ez Havercha, the Mishnah is telling us, You as a leader, judge this person with compassion. Al-Tavazehu, don't put him down, don't embarrass him. Don't make him feel that he himself as a person is not worthy. Judge him with compassion. Avot titzta'er al rifiono What should my overwhelming feeling be, if I'm the principal sitting across, you know, my desk? There's a kid who did something terribly chutzpahic to the Rebbe. What should my overall hargasha be? I should feel pain. I should be mitzta'er. I should feel the anguish that. Unfortunately, you were not able to withstand this challenge, this curveball that Hashem threw your way, you struck out. And the way to help you come to this feeling of rachmanis, of compassion, of hishtatfus, of joining in to the pain of someone else's failure, is the realization that I don't really know how difficult it was for that kid. I'm not saying it's okay withholding judgment means listen, it's all good do whatever you want and if you're judgmental if you have any value system whatsoever if you look at something and say good or bad that's not okay that's not the Derech HaTorah we don't withhold judgment but we don't jump to conclusions I have no idea how challenging it was for you as a nine-year-old boy with whatever's going on in your life and just being put through the ringer with COVID what it means to try to sit down for more than 10 minutes. I can't relate to that challenge. We find a similar idea, and this would have changed the course of history. It's an amazing thing that all of the major shifts throughout our history as a nation and really the history of humanity, they come down to a conversation, a small turning point. Yosef and his brothers... The posse tells us that as they were going through the situation of going down to Mitzrayim, and then going through hardship, so they said they had a hakarah, they had a recognition that this is definitely payback for something we did with Yosef. They said a we're guilty regarding our brother that we saw his pain and we heard his cries V'lo but we didn't listen to them then Ruvain says back V'yan Reuven, oh, he came back and he said Halo amarti aleichem this is what I told you this is what I was trying to explain to you don't sin against the Yelid don't do anything to the child V'lo but you didn't listen what was Reuven trying to, to bring out when he said, don't sin against the child, explains the Ramban and the Svorno. I told you, my dear brothers, that it's true what Yosef did was totally un- unacceptable. But don't judge him as a Godel. Don't view him as if he has the maturity and the development of seichel and the capacity of, 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 of mind to make these decisions and to be malicious. He was a Yelid, there was a Nairus, there was a childlike aspect to Yosef. He was brilliant. Right? He was Tati's favorite. He was the Talmud Chacham, But he was still a kid. And if he would have just seen that within Yosef, everything would have been different. When it comes to leadership, there's a distinction between territorial leadership and compassionate leadership. Territorial leadership is more about me and my institution than it is about the individuals involved or those whom we're trying to help and trying to encourage. So if I'm viewing it as, this is my school, and therefore our reputation is on the line, my reputation is on the line. So if there's a kid that's not really following suit, it's hard to have the compassion that the Teferis Yisrael was talking about. It's hard to feel that Tsar, that he's not living up to his potential. To, to judge him with compassion. Because ultimately, more than anything else in the world, you're a threat to what I'm trying to build. That's territorial leadership. The other kind of leadership, which we strive for, is compassionate leadership where it's not really about me. Of course, I want my endeavor to be successful. I want my school to thrive. I want to have a good reputation, but I'm not viewing you as a threat. We have to make a calculated decision. Does it make sense with many factors how to proceed? What's the next move? We have to think about it deeply. We have to consult with people who are wiser than ourselves. But the first hargasha, that feeling, is not your going in my space and you're a threat to what I'm trying to build Compassionate leadership is I'm looking out for you When I have that mindset then we could fulfill the Tferes Yisrael of evaluating of assessing any situation bechemla with a sense of, of compassion and Rachmanis Those are all examples all in the category of not having the full context the eloquent combination of arrogance and ignorance. I want to just give one example of category two, which is filling in the blank, where really there is so much that we know that we don't know, but somehow being creative human beings, we're able to come to a conclusion and be upset with that person based on the story that I myself authored. When Miriam was sick, so Moshe Benu Davins for her refuah sholemah. We know his tefillah was very short. VeYitzak Moshe l'Hashem lemar kel na la. He said, Hashem, please heal her. And that was it. And he closed the sitter. So Rashi was bothered by the question, Moshe benu, with your koach of tefillah, with your power of prayer, why would you stop there? At least have a five to seven minute shmon esrei. Pour out your heart and soul to Hashem. Davin for Kelna Rufanala Vizahu. So Rashid in his second interpretation says, Moshe couldn't daven longer. He felt restrained, he felt, he felt restricted from doing so. Shalo Yisrael, in order that the Jewish people shouldn't say, Bishvila chosohu marik betfilah? Whoa, look at this, right? A long Esrei For who? For Miriam, for his sister. But for us? You think he would do that for us? That's why Moshe knew, I don't have the option to daven along Shmona Esrei. Kelna, rafa, done. Why in the world would Claudius Yisrael view Moshe davening for his sister's health as an insult how can you take that and turn it on its head to come to the conclusion, wow, what a selfish leader. He calls himself Rabbeinu, who does he think he is? But we see from this Rashi, you know, unfortunately, this is part of our DNA. And as Jews, we have this as an ongoing Nisayon. We have the ability to look at anything, and perhaps especially when it comes to leadership. Nobody likes feeling led. Nobody likes being told what to do and where to go. You know, we had a conversation recently trying to figure out between davening and the two rooms, maybe we should switch things up a little bit, you know, equal out the balet fila. And I said, we can't move people around unless there's a real need to do so. Nobody appreciates being moved, and especially Jews. Am Kishay Oruf. So when it comes to any level of leadership, if I'm looking at my parent, my teacher, my Rebbe, I could think of the most creative things in the world, and even though you might be doing something beautiful, and you might even have kavanah, you might have intention for my good, I could totally transform it and put it on its head. That's filling in the blank. It's an amazing thing going through these months of COVID and now getting into the the discussions of politics. There is so much passion and there is so much confidence in areas of life that when you really approach objectively, we know very little bit about. When it comes to the the social health and, and welfare of what's the best way of conducting oneself during a pandemic? So how many of us have studied that issue carefully and have much experience going through all of the resources and the history, but yet it doesn't take that much for us to fill in the blanks if it's not judging or viewing somebody else. It's coming to my own conclusion. Again, a beautiful combination of arrogance and ignorance. Obviously, you have to do it like this. And if you're not wearing a mask over here, you're a Russia. And if you're wearing a mask over there, you're you're obviously against Trump and and you're doing something totally foolish. How do you really know? So, Jonas and Aibchitz will end with this. Speaking about the the conflict with Yosef and his brothers, so the pasuk says that they felt that Yosef was loved the most, and therefore veyisnu osovolo Yoko Dabrul the Shalom they had a resentment towards him, and they were not able to speak with him, bisholom, with peace, with pleasantness. So Rashi understands that to mean that that was actually a praise to the brothers. They didn't want to give Yosef uh, the wrong impression, you know, pretending to be friendly when inside they were harboring negative feelings. But says of Yonasan Neipschitz and the Tferis Yonasan the Torah is actually telling us what the brothers did wrong. And it was this interaction that would have changed history forever. When you're able to have a conversation with someone and express, this is the way you made me feel. When you're and then you have a back and forth, and he explains what happened, or he agrees that, yeah, you're right, that, that was really insensitive of me. He might apologize, he might not, but at least you're breaking the ice. Says Sora hasina. That's how we have the ability to remove hatred, negativity, and judgment. And that's why the Torah gives us the mitzvah if you're not feeling with somebody else don't keep it inside don't just say everything that comes to your mind obviously but have a conversation the more you're able to judge somebody from a distance the more evil they become and then surprisingly once you actually have an interaction with them and you have a conversation you realize you know what maybe they're not that bad of a person maybe they're not always out to get me sometimes they are but usually if we're able to view them as human beings through a dialogue, that changes the entire dynamic. Concludes of Yonason Eivshitz. By having a conversation that could remove negativity. vishov And bring back peace nationally, individually, within families. Right, think of all the examples within our own families of people that don't talk to each other. I just had a conversation recently, someone who has not been in touch with a close sibling in years, and by this point, they don't even know why. The way to bring relationships back is through having a dialogue. If the Shvatim, if the brothers of Yosef, would have had the Gevura, they would have had the strength of character, just to be able to have a conversation with Yosef and express their feelings about how they feel left out and they feel unloved. Hayanah Shalom B'nei even though it would start off with friction, even though it would have been an awkward conversation, Hayanah says, Shalom B'nei that would have created peace, and the destiny of Claw Yisrael would have been different. So, al-toddenes havercha at says the Targum Yonason, based on this week's parsha, the mitzvah of remembering what happened to Miriam is a mitzvah of not judging people doesn't mean withholding judgment, but not touching people up, not jumping to conclusions, not placing someone to a small, narrow box based on our limited perception of who they are or what they did. There are two reasons why we jump to conclusions, often because we're just lacking the context, and sometimes we just get creative and fill in the blanks. The way to help us break through these barriers and create a cohesive feeling amongst friends and family and community is never to let the other person stand there in the corner and be ignored because then the sinna and the resentment only grows. When we have the strength to break through those mechitzos and have real conversations, then we bring people together without judgment and we have love and compassion. Okay, shkoyach everybody.